I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. What the prime time, bitch? Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of the modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. Today I'm being joined by Aden Arden of Militant Eroticism. How are you, man? It's a good day. It's it a is. good day. Um, you do anything fun this weekend? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely Sweet. not. We're going to have a lot to talk about then. <laughs> nah, no, not really. I mean, after, after this, I'm taking the guy out for dinner. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, a third date. Be, Ooh. I know I haven't even slept with him yet. It's pretty oh, amazing. Shit, third date is that the sex date? Uh, let's see what my libido does. I haven't I haven't had sex in months. <laughs> so I uh, know, but lately I've been having dreams about him just sitting on my face. So it, it could happen. <laughs> okay. and, and at the uh, I'm I'll be gone at the end of April, and while I'm gone, he's moving back to Texas. So I'm trying to get as much time with him as I can. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you carving out a chunk for nine cents. Oh, Adam, you're my number one boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and to the audience, it is March 22nd, and this and more. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to start with militant eroticism. Of course, Aden is in the house. This is episode 22. What are we calling it? I'm not as gay as you think, and you're not as straight as you tell me. Oh, I love <laughs> that I can say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a meta-reference. All right, we're also going to do a little Infernal Informant. First article is, Father says seven children who died in New York City fire were so pure. And the Supreme Court to take up case of Confederate flag license plates. And uh, that's I think that's going to do it, yeah. Nice. I, I have a feeling we're going to rant a lot. We're going to rave a lot. I got a lot of shit to talk about before we even start the show. Um, so if you will indulge me. Okay. Silence is consent. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Here is something that happened last week. Uh, my my son's school has a policy of no cell phones or electronics in class if the instructor, the teachers, don't want them to. So most of them, of course, naturally don't. Uh, my son does have a phone. And what I didn't know was that before, once before, he took it out in class and it was confiscated till the end of the day. And then he did it again in some other time and it was or actually some other time it was this tuesday and it was taken for a week and we didn't know this policy because like i'm assuming many people whenever you go to register your kid for their school you don't read through every single piece of paperwork um you just sort of jump through the hoops to get them into the school and, and attending and paying fees and stuff. Um, but this was a policy of theirs. They would hold on to it for a week. At the end of the week, they'd give it back to the student or the principal. Now, what we had thought was because they have an online uh, student handbook was that they would at any time 
give it to the te- or I'm sorry, the parent if they came to pick it up, which makes sense. Your kid fucks up, it's taken from him, but the parents can come and pick it up at any time. Uh, they changed it this year and they never updated their website. So there was some confusion for us because we didn't remember the revision that we signed at the beginning of the school year. We just knew what was on their website. And so when we, my wife, I just told her to handle it because I'm dealing with a ton of new video shoots I have to do for my boss or my job. Um, so I don't really have time to deal with this kind of bullshit. So she spent the better half of last week trying to track down this damn principal and get him to give us our motherfucking phone. And this asshat continually avoided her calls. She reached out to the teacher himself and said, hey, I would like to grab my son's phone. He's not bringing it to school anymore. If you would have told us the first time this happened, he wouldn't have had it in order to do it again. So you guys need to reach out to us better, but I want to pick up my phone. They're like, I'm sorry, we can't give you your phone. Like, excuse me? This is our property. You have to give us our phone. Like, I'm sorry, you signed a contract. You can't give us, you can't, we can't give you your phone. If we give it to you, we have to give it to every parent. We're like, what's the problem with that? That's what it says on your website. And they're like, you're going to have to talk to the principal. And so days go by of my wife continually hounding the principal, the assistant principals give her the same thing. I'm sorry, we can't help you. Only the principal can help you. But here's the funny thing. The principal never answers his motherfucking phone. She calls the office and said, is the principal in? They hold the phone out of their face and say, are you in, man? Hey, principal, are you in? And he's like, okay, I'm going to transfer you. He was right fucking there, but he refuses to pick up. So my wife shows up at the school itself and says, look, I want to talk to the principal. And they're like, I'm sorry, the principal's not here. Now, because we both work, we can't sit there all day. So she sat there as long as she could without getting in trouble at her job. And then she goes back. So she is incapable for three days of reaching the actual principal of the school that's supposed to go there, even though he's actually there, according to the uh, secretaries and the assistant principals, though he will not pick up the phone to talk to my wife, who is furious at this point. So she finally gets a hold of this guy uh, at the end of day three, and he says, you signed a contract, we are not giving you your phone, I'm sorry. And that's it. End of story. So she, my wife, tells me, and I am fucking going out of my fucking mind with rage. So I'm sitting here thinking, how far do I want to take this? Now, here's the deal. We don't need that phone. I mean, it's not his only, we don't have a house phone. So that's the primary use of that phone is for, and he picks up my daughter from school too. So it's our primary means of communication when they're in transit from school and home. They do have iPads and computers here at the home, so we could always, you know, message them that way. So it's not the end of the world if he gets his phone taken away. So I just, I can't help stand, you know, I I can't justify standing up and fighting this dude over his own insane policy, especially if, because at this point, I still haven't seen the actual contract that he says we signed. And it's not reflected anywhere on their website. He's never produced it. We don't know whether he's fucking lying. So do I stand up and call him on his bullshit, hoping that I didn't actually sign this contract? Because if I did, I can't help but blame myself if I fucking signed it. So I'm sitting here fighting with, how far do I want to take this? Is it really worth it? He's going to get his phone back on Tuesday. So that's going to be in two days from now as we're recording. 
And the more I think about it, the more I think about how long he dodged my wife, his abject refusal to even contact her back after three days. And then when he finally does, when she finally tracks him down, he is so obtuse in his delivery, so retarded and just, it's as if we were the student and we were bullies and he's reacting to us as bullies instead of one professional to another professional who are supposed to be resolving a difference. And then I just, I'm like, you know what? If he is going to be a little bitch like he is, how about instead I just talk to his fucking mom? And so I called the district. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, God. Yeah, dude, it's it's just getting so absurd. I know he's not going to do anything, so I'm going to do the next best thing. I'm going to talk to his boss. So the um, uh, Granite School District uh, director of junior highs or, yeah, junior high schools, I reach out to her. She, of course, ironically, is not there, so I leave a long, detailed, half emotion-filled message, like rage is behind behind my words as I'm speaking in this uh, voicemail. And then the, just the fact that she didn't pick up too just pushed me over the edge. So I did what every old man does, and I wrote a fucking letter. <laughs> dear, I, dear Mr. Superintendent, I am an angry white man. <laughs> it was, okay, so what I did, I copied the sections of the school handbook from the website stating that we could come pick it up at any time. And then I expressed my profound uh, disappointment in his and his administration's behavior and how we are supposed to be working together. And if there's a problem, the, the spirit of the rule is to punish the child, not punish the parents. And then why, you know, and, and this goes on actually quite eloquently. I was very proud of this email I wrote. And then uh, just addressing it as a professional, as an adult, without being, you know, crazy and, you know, as emotional as I actually am at the moment. So um, I, I read this very rational, and I, I include every single person of his uh, administration at his school, calling him out, calling his teacher out, calling out the vice principals, every single person personally about how they interacted or didn't interact with us and how infantile their interaction ended up being and how in the real world this is called stealing because it is our property not our son's property and by any law i should be able to pick up my own property and the next step was after i've already and i told them that i contacted the director uh the next step is doing it contact the police and if they don't hand it over at that point then i'm going to charge them with theft so Immediately, I get a response. Ironically, my wife tries for three fucking days calling and showing up in person. It takes one email from me, and the dude responds with three words. Because in the in the email, I asked to see the contract. Please see below, and it's the scanned contract of my signature saying <laughs> of the revised rules, saying that it will be held and it will be returned only after one week to the parents only. And so I'm looking at it like, God damn, motherfucker, I did sign this bitch. <laughs> so how do I want to continue this fight? Like, do I want to keep going? Because I know I did sign it. As stupid as the fucking rule is, I did fucking technically sign it. And he wasn't pulling shit except for being a horrible, horrible principal. 
So I decided to follow up on the horrible principal part with the director. And in response to him, I just thanked him for finally producing proof of their current policy, scolded him again for his behavior and lack of communication, and mixed message of the policy online, offline, and in verbal discussion. And uh, sort of left it at that. And the next day, his boss called me frantic and so apologetic and so understanding and so rational. And it was, it was like, this was the reaction we wanted. And to be quite honest, all they had to do was respond to us on Tuesday when we brought up the fucking incident with the contract and expressed a little bit of fucking empathy and we would have been fine. It would have been all great and happy. This woman is just incredibly gracious and she had no idea the policy even existed. Like this is like this instructor went rogue. This is the principal from like a fucking 80s action movie. Like he is locking down the school and nary a person outside of the school knows about it. Um, so she's looking into that currently. And I, there's this really wonderful moment of irony when she tried to reach her own principal and he fucking snubbed her and she couldn't get a hold of him. So they're currently investigating him and uh, I still don't have my fucking phone, but she promises to get it to me uh, by Monday. Well, that's okay. So we'll see. I'm sure I'll update you guys on what happens. But... You run into these situations that you never think you're going to run into. Like, why the fuck are, wouldn't you give me the phone? His parent. It is my job to discipline my child. You take it away from him in class. You hand it to me. Make me come get it every time. I guarantee I'll straighten his ass out. But you not ever telling me about it and him having to come home say, I'm sorry, my phone it was taken by the school and they won't release it to anyone for a week. That's absurd. And you know what the next step is? Uh, until the end of the school year, they'll hold on to it. <laughs> so I, I'm not even letting my son have that option. Like, that phone will not leave this house if he has a school day. It's just so insane. And having to fucking argue with grown people about their retarded policies is un... And no one wants to take accountability. No one wants to be responsible at all. I just cannot believe it. Like, this is, this is what we have created as a society. Like, this is a tiny little scaled model of our functioning government in this little school. You can't get a hold of anyone in, in authority, and when you do, they tell you to fuck off. That's it. <laughs> well, you're, you're really surprised. I mean, you're really surprised. <laughs> I totally was, because when we first met this piece of shit, I thought he was a good fucking guy. Like, he was so nice and, you know, cordial and forthcoming with his, his, his opinions and, and, I don't know, it was just, he was so nice on, and they're always like, oh, you know, you have a really great son. Now I know it's all lip service because they're all fucking assholes, on, and they tell every parent that. Is, but this a, I, is this a public school or a private school? Oh, it's a public. All right, well... No, of course they're gonna, you know, tell you how great your kid is and all that <laughs> shit. They want, you know, the more students they have, the more money they get. Uh, the more kids who move on through grades, the more bonuses and raises yeah. they get. It's so much fun. Got, gotta love money. It, it's so fucking crazy. It's a great incentive, huh? <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, I I could go off the deep end 
and just storm in there and start screaming, call the, you know, call the cops right there in the office. And, you know, I could go crazy, but is it fucking worth it? Like, is it worth the calories to do that? Because at the end of the day, I signed the fucking document. I don't know. My mother loved storming in the principal's office and she never regretted it. Even when it was completely <laughs> my fault for being in there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they loved me in that office and my mother loved coming in there. <laughs> she wouldn't she didn't even go through the channels like you did she would just show up and go you stupid sons of bitches come here Dean <laughs> wait outside and you listen to me scream <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should just fucking done that I don't know uh, like you said they produced a contract and your name was on it so it's really like how much do you want to be embarrassed or you just not truly give a shit? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I think, I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't alleviate the, the intense frustration and anger, but, uh, I don't know. It was really nice that the director was so cool. Like she was so fucking cool. Um, and I hope this dude gets what's coming. And here's, here's the other side of the coin. They have to have someone like him. Um, West Valley, where I live in Utah, is a very fucking dangerous place. Statistically, gang violence, no joke, a very, very dangerous place. So what you, what you find is middle school is when people are brought into gang behavior more than any other time. Not in high school, not in elementary, it's middle school. And so they have to have someone in there that is strict as hell, Ruthless. I mean, you're not allowed backpacks in this school, like at all. They have a strict code policy for um, dress code, sorry, dress code policy, um, preventing known gang colors and affiliations and drug paraphernalia and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's really, really strict, but it's effective. And so, you know, on one hand, I want that I'm a white man privilege. This is a predominantly brown area. I want my racist fucking rights. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that I've had my say, whole life. And <laughs> you just say privilege to me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna backhand your balls. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that that thought that runs through your head as a white—I mean, for you, a seemingly white person. <laughs> no, <that laughs> like, how could this happen to me? I'm not that kind of person. You know what I mean? Like, we have this ingrained, like, we are better than everyone else, even though we're usually worse than everyone else mentality because we're not faced with the cold hard cold hard reality of life as much as and of course i'm speaking in generalities here um especially in my neighborhood that i'm living in right now the other ethnicities like they are the the way the cops treat them the way the um administrators treat them the way a store clerk treats them is dramatically different than the way they treat me and so I expect, even though it's not rational, even though it's not fair, and you can argue it's not even right to say, I expect that same behavior no matter where I go, because that's what I'm used to. You know, it's just, that's what I'm used to. And so when I run across this teacher, this principal, who's just so fucking asshole, I, it's, I understand why he's there. I understand that he's effective in what he does. But for him to fucking treat me like he treats his kids, I just want to beat the fuck out of him. How like, it's you, not cool. How dare you treat me like a Hispanic? Sir, I am white. 
<laughs> you didn't see the shade of my clothes or my color to my fucking skin, did you? Yeah, no, it's absurd. I understand it. I accept it. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. It's so ridiculous, but it's fucking real. Wait a minute. <laughs> How is there gang violence in Utah? What? Oh, you don't even know, dude. This is one of the more in in all of the West. This is one of the top ten uh, gang violence areas. I can't accept that. What are the Mormons like fighting the meth dealers? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you would be surprised how few Mormons there are in in um, contrast to the rest of us. Uh, they just have positions of authority. They are the minority, though. Uh, you just don't realize it because all the people who are representatives are fucking Mormons because of big business, i.e. Mormons, and uh, old people are the only people that fucking vote anytime. So it's all old Mormons. Maybe I'll find out when I come out there and get gangbanged by a gang. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> You're more likely to be stabbed than gangbanged, but... Either way. <laughs> stabbed with a cock. <laughs> yeah, stabbed with a cock. I'll tell Darren. Come on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's dumb. You, we we always hear about. Um, it's mainly gang violence more than like drug crime or anything like that. You know, where it's just uh, shootings or stabbings. Those are the two big things that are like daily around here. It seems. I've never seen it, and so it, it is weird that I've never experienced it, but it's supposed to be so prevalent. And so you're sort of juggling between what your personal reality is versus what the accepted reality is. It's weird, but I don't know. It's weird. Um, yeah. I, I grew up in a game-ridden area, and I never noticed. Yeah, I mean, you have to be in it to notice it, really. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean... Apparently, I, uh, when I was older, I hung out at drug houses and I never knew. I was just, it was just, it was a party house to me. I'm like, all right, the parents are gone, yeah. the kids are always here. And I never noticed anything else. I thought I thought it was a bit odd that older guys were hanging out there. But hey, you know, they usually had their shirts off. I was happy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's true. It's a big uh, shirtless uh, environment. Oh, God. Yeah, it is. Nothing like a shirtless man. <laughs> Nothing like a shirtless man. I'm so happy men can walk around shirtless. <laughs> I can't wait till it's warmer so I can go to the park and watch all those beautiful men jog. Except when their pecs bounce like boobs. That just, that freaks me out. You know, I've, <laughs> I've noticed the boob bounce. Like, I've, I've never thought about it before mine started bouncing. And then I was like, oh shit, that whole Seinfeld episode with the man's ear i might want to start thinking about this yeah, let me get you it's, <laughs> it's weird it's weird man's ear all right let's let's start with a little middleton neuroticism you want to do this yeah sure all right The top hated and the low browed. With a scarlet passion and frantic gospel, I say to you, thou in sick style will mote in altars. Be not of love, but of lust. If you want a belly full, ears are belly full. Expand your gentle rebellion to vindicate the truth. Let thy brothel be revelation. <laughs> <laughs> 
religion in the hose religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted. We point out to our accusers, a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands-on warriors. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Aden Arden, and this is episode 22. I'm not as gay as you think, and you're not as straight as you tell me. <laughs> Taste cannot be confined to definitive boxes, though we discuss them that way in order to effectively communicate. I've, uh, I've said numerous times that I'm a fan of labels, so this episode may appear to be somewhat of a contradiction since I'm about to advocate that one sexual label is not a strict designation. Sexuality is a spectrum, a sliding scale of screwing. When men and women move a notch or two throughout their life, I'm sorry, where men and women move a notch or two throughout their life, uh, sexuality being a combination of genetics and environmental influences, the former changing slightly and the latter changing extensively, it is curious that people would claim that they always have the same taste. I am, to a degree, attracted to women, have slept with a few, and there are still women uh, that I would sleep with. Ah, Feruza Balk, that crazy girl on the craft. Oh, yeah, I love her. I love her. Yeah. Right? She's so uh, Yes. <laughs> I'm right there fucking with you. <laughs> Uh, there are periods in a man's life where his sexuality will be in, in a flux, and this isn't confined to his teenage years. This is sometimes called latent homosexuality. I had a fuck buddy when I was younger who was happily married for years, had a, had a beautiful daughter who was my age, and um, he his slight interest in guys grew over, what did he say, about 10 years. It went from a slight curiosity, like, oh, you know what, that's... um. It's interesting too. I, I got a pound boy butt now. I always thought it was funny that he's like, all right, my daughter's not home. She's out with her friends. Come on over. And he fucked me in the bed that him and his wife used to sleep in. And I was the same age as his daughter. I'm like, this is, oh. this is awesome. So close to incest. Anyway. What? Oh, God. <laughs> Shut up. I like it. <laughs> I think that a part of the reason people get so defensive about their sexuality is precisely because they think, uh, they think sexuality and sexual taste is static instead of fluid. And this is very wrong, and one shouldn't cling to a label as one's strict identity. Claiming heterosexuality or homosexuality communicates that you're predominantly interested in one gender romantically and sexually, while bisexuality would communicate that gender preferences are too close to call. Think of these, word, uh, these words as areas on a scale, like the Kinsey scale that measures an individual's sexual taste and gender. There are more specific scales out there, but Kinsey's is the first and the foundational one. Everything else is born out of his scale. Uh, the Kinsey scale was developed by Alfred Kinsey in 1948 and is based on his notion that sexuality is fluid. He said that males do not represent two discrete populations, heterosexual and homosexual. The world is not to be divided into sheep and goats. The living world is a continuum in each and every one of its aspects. Now, let me break down the scale. It's a scale of zero to six with an X factor, which represents asexuality. Uh, zero would be exclusively heterosexual. 
meaning never never any homosexual incident, never a homosexual desire, is completely repulsed by men sexually. And six would be exclusively homosexual, the exact same as hetero except for homo, like the type of gay guy who would barf if he saw a pussy. <laughs> now, according to the Kinsey Report, zero and six are the least populated, meaning that people respond and have acted upon desires of the opposite sexuality far more frequently frequently than they would ever admit and that you would ever think. As you move from zero to six, an individual would become increasingly homosexual in terms of incidence. I, for example, would fall on the number five, I think. Uh, predominantly homosexual, only incidentally heterosexual. I sometimes entertain the idea of being with a woman, and I've acted on it. After one too many drinks, it isn't uncommon to see me playing around with a girl, making out with her, whatever else. I think one night I was so drunk, I, um, it was a friend's farewell party. I was fingering her and my ex-girlfriend <laughs> while making out with them. And I was just laughing hysterically because I didn't have a heart on. I just, you know, I thought it was hilarious. And I was kind of into it. I'm like, ah, oh, like these girls. They like it. <laughs> <laughs> on a whole, though, according to the Kinsey reports, 11.6% of white males aged 20 to 35 were given a rating of three for that period of their lives. Uh, the study also reported that 10% of American males surveyed were more or less exclusively homosexual for at least three years between the ages of 16 and 55. Uh, exclusively homosexual is in the five to six range. 7% of single females aged 20 to 35 and 4% of previously married females aged 20 to 35 were given a rating of three, equally heterosexual and homosexual for that period of their lives. Two to six percent of females aged 20 to 35 were given a rating of five, which is predominantly homosexual. Um, and one to three percent of unmarried females aged 20 to 35 were rated as six. There's a better scale that accounts for orientation over a person's lifetime, and that's called the Klein Sexual Orientation Grid. And I highly suggest, if you have the guts, to take it. People are so terrified to explore themselves because they think it'll fundamentally change their identity. Here's a tip. Don't be so shallow in how you define yourself. These are tastes and not your foundation. You're not who you're you're not who you fuck, nor are you what you like. Perhaps people should take more time uh, or openly admit to exploring their tastes when they're younger before they shout what they like from the fucking rooftops. And one of my buddies who uh, who gets hit on by a lot of my gay friends because he likes to walk around my apartment in his underwear and he's a gym rat, <laughs> so he has an amazing body. He'll always he, he repeatedly says, I know I don't like guys because I let one blow me. And, you know, it was good. You know, I got head. But chicks, chicks are my thing. <laughs> Nothing beats a girl's lips on my dick. And I gave him a big fucking hug the first time I heard him say that. Now, I'm not advocating that you cannot know what you like without trying everything. That would be stupid. Sometimes you just know what you don't like. I don't need to eat an octopus to know I would never put that fucking thing in my mouth. <laughs> All right? And I don't need to have a kid to know that I don't want one <laughs> because I can't kill it once it's there. <laughs> Maybe if the laws were different or I was more accident prone, whatever, you know, I could, I could try it out, but I'm, I'm happy with just babysitting. Not really happy about it, but you know what happens. <laughs> kind of like fingering. Babysitting is like fingering girls. You know, I don't really like to do it, but it happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's good there's 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 a slogan for a fucking t-shirt <laughs> that's fucked up but what i am saying is that it is uncommon 
to be strictly one-sided in sexuality, and that if you're entertaining those thoughts, just see how far you'll go. Another buddy of mine had a crisis of homosexuality, <laughs> so I took him out to a straight bar to pick up a chick. He's like, ah, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's an idea. I've been jacking off to it lately. So I've been watching a lot of straight porn, just girls masturbating. I'm like, all right, well, maybe give it a run. Maybe you're bi. Maybe you're actually straight. Maybe it was a phase. Who knows? Um, so he took a fairly attractive woman back to his place when me and him went out. The next day we met for dinner, and he told me that he ate her out until she came and then sent her back in. And I'll never forget what he said. <laughs> Yeah, I've been thinking about eating pussy for months, and once I had it in front of me, I suddenly remembered how much I love eating ass. You know, the, <laughs> it, she didn't gross me out. It tasted okay. You know, it tasted like a pussy, but it wasn't that musky man smell. And you know what? A woman moaning is so fucking annoying. <laughs> I tried to put my hand over her mouth, but she seemed to like it and just moaned louder. <laughs> So, <laughs> that, that was an interesting dinner. Thank God I wasn't eating clams. Because <laughs> I would have made him pay for it. So the point of this whole shebang is, you know, grow a pair. Get out there, explore that world of pleasure, but only if you feel the need to. There's too many people, you know, I get emails or I'll see, or I'll, uh, my friends will be talking, and they'll, they'll constantly entertain these ideas of playing with the opposite gender or the same gender, but it's it's almost like they uh, it, it would it would fundamentally change them, or it would completely obliterate their identity. And I, I have some sympathy for that because it's you know especially for a gay man it it requires so much to come out of the closet that you'd have to come out all over again, and especially to your parents they'd feel duped. Yeah, like how fucking long. <laughs> It took us to get over the fact that you like men, and now you're going to tell us you like girls? <laughs> so be, besides that point, grow a pair and explore yourself. And before you make any you know, uh, life decisions like marriage or children or things like that, go out there and, you know what, blow a, blow a dude and eat a girl. <laughs> it's, it, it'll be good for you. <laughs> so as always... <laughs> Keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, man ass is better than pussy. <laughs> that it is. And no matter what, you will get a little bit of hair in your mouth. I mean, you know. I, I, <laughs> oh, no! It happens, man, you know? Oh, God. Like, girls say it's hard to shave their pussy and to get it back. So, you know what? Go and get your uh, shave. Shave a part of your body that you can't see. <laughs> All right. You can't see and that if you cut yourself can get you. <laughs> All right. And it's, oh. you know, if you have a hemorrhoid and you cut that, you have to go to the hospital. <laughs> you may have to go to the hospital. You know, there's a lot of danger. <laughs> Women have it pretty easy when it comes to waxing and shaving their pussy. Oh, man. You know, and at least, you know, if, if your pussy's dirty... It, so the man gets a little bit of urine or, you know, fish scales in his mouth. But, you know, if a butt is dirty, he's got some shit to deal with. <laughs> we don't get enough props for what we go through to have sex. As men. We really don't. All right. We don't we don't get enough credit here. <laughs> God.
God damn. That's the end of that little rant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That is great. I, I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, this notion that sexuality, there's no such thing as a firm polar end. Everyone's on a scale. It's just where they are on this scale. She sort of looked at me like, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's so fucking true. It's absolutely true. Um, looking back to my childhood, I've you know just sort of full disclosure. I've I've had um, exploratory encounters in my youth uh, with other men. Nothing really that I would think was a good experience or I looked fondly on. It just wasn't. It just didn't really do anything. It, it never went anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, but I've never been like averse to the idea of of being able to find another man attractive that's just like it seems such a natural thing to me to say oh that's a very attractive person like i don't it doesn't sexuality doesn't bother me either way i can identify or or find myself attracted to a different type of human being because i am a human being so why the fuck wouldn't you know how it, it seems so foreign to me to think like i grew up in a very small mormon community uh for my informative years i'd say and it was very much like a hunter's religious community. So every single day in school was very much like, I am more macho than you type attitude. And at that time, I didn't know it at the time, but in the 80s, like the late 70s to late 80s, I would say masculinity or the, uh, we'll say the media's presentation of masculinity was very homoerotic. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was... And, like, looking back, I, I really had, like, this moment of clarity where I didn't realize how how gay masculinity actually is. Like, I, I grew up with this idea of, you know, you have to be a masculine man, but that is so gay. Like, that is the gayest... Like, the the... The expressions of it are gay, whether it's Top Gun and like topless volleyball, <laughs> and, like flexing to each other, or it's some other you know '80s a action movie where dudes have their shirts off and they're like, sort of like looking at each other, and it's just it's so fucking gay. I never realized it, not in a negative way, just as in like I cannot believe that I'm just now noticing this. Really Is that something that you ever noticed? Like, like when? When did you realize that masculinity, the expressions of masculinity, and I'm making an assumption that you see it the same way I do, which you know may be totally different, but if you did, when did you realize that it was very homoerotic? It's always been homoerotic, um, but that's because <laughs> I'm a gay man. That's what I find really funny when I hear guys say things like that. Like, there's so much homoerotic imagery out there. I'm like, oh, really? Is there now? <laughs> Tell me more about these homoerotic situations that you see everywhere <laughs> but it's um no i get what you're saying it's but you have to remember in the 80s that was when uh women in uh higher uh, enter the higher income echelon as individuals instead of as wives uh mm -hmm. so when it came to movies and things it was no longer just catering to men it was catering to women and uh gay culture was becoming more mainstream especially with the aids epidemic um, so they wanted to cater more to this. It's happening again with you see more gay relationships, more gay TV shows on in the media. Mm -hmm. They're trying to because we have the largest disposable income. Um, yeah. 
So they're trying to get our money and it's working. Uh, but it's, it's like I said, it's funny. The straight men are the gayest men because, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll sit, I'll sit around, I'll hang out with a bunch of straight guys and I'll listen and talk about, um, you know, uh, size of their cocks or, or, you know, how great their muscles look and they'll compete and they'll flex. And I'm just looking at them like, you know, this looks like about every single porno I have ever seen. <laughs> the only difference is the happy ending is going to be completely in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's hilarious. No, your masculinity is of course homoerotic. I mean, it's, it cannot not be homoerotic it's um but that's because i'm i'm perceiving it as such but that's why i find it funny that you know <laughs> so it's a lot of straight men see it the same way like for you on the kinsey scale i'd probably put you at a i put darren at a one so i'd probably put you at a one or a two um probably a one because darren's never had a, a uh, an incident of homosexuality, but he he can he has the ability to look at men aesthetically and say that that's a good looking man. I can totally understand why a gay man or a woman would want to fuck the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably put closer to a two because you just said you've had incidents, right? Right. Yeah, I I think uh, we I think I'm gonna push uh, Darren over to two. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm planning on seeing you guys relatively soon, so. I may have to adjust his number. Oh, oh, goddamn! I don't. That's it. You're you're getting an invitation to my after party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it too. I'm gonna give because this is gonna be hilarious, but without going into secrets. <laughs> you're right. right. Uh, oh, it's so tempting too. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what was I going to say? No, um, it's the the reason I suggested that other skill is because let's say uh, we know that sexuality is fairly ingrained in genes. You start at a number, but you can transition a, a number or two throughout your life. So let's say you're born a one. You may go to a two and then you may go to a zero. Or if you were born at a two, you may go to three and be completely bisexual and never act on it. And then other times you may go to two and then back to one and you go back and forth. Um, so, yeah, like like I said, there was there was a time where I was just completely uninterested in men. And this was fairly recently. I didn't want I was just like, eh, I'm bored. Um, and I was jacking off to girls and watching girls masturbating. And I was like, that's I've never noticed how hot that was. And then I kind of, then I got a naked girl in front of me. I'm like, yep, there we go. Can't get in there. <laughs> can't, can't do it. It's okay if it's on the screen, but once it's in front of me, I'm like, oh, it's like a meat flower. <laughs> it's, it's blooming. It's, it's a fucking meat flower. <laughs> that's what it, it was like getting wider on me. I'm like, ah. I oh I, that's like my favorite part. I love that where it's just naturally they're getting so turned on that they're naturally just opening. <laughs> it's so hot. Oh goddamn. That's it. You have real, I haven't had sex since my birthday, and I wanted to have sex today, and you have effectively <laughs> ruined that. Today. Uh, you're welcome. I don't. <laughs> oh no, he's leaving by the time I leave uh, for the trip. And uh, you son of a you son. That's it. 
you're going to be my offering at the end of April. I'm going to down and say, everybody, have at it. 15 people have at it. You're going to, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> Well, I think that was great, man. I, I I love this type of a discussion. I would never, for whatever reason, uh, or multitude of reasons, have a conversation like this with another human being. It's so nice that you are so open and honest and just so comfortable with, really, with anyone being able to talk about this stuff and deliver this to um, our audience. And I, I absolutely, truly love it. Um, can you tell uh, the listeners where they can find a little bit more of militant eroticism online? Uh, you can go to the Facebook page, just type in militant eroticism, or go to the Nine Cents website, and I'm there too. Or you can just email me at adenardent at gmail.com. And oh, yeah. Tell me how much you love me. Yeah, seriously. I, I mean, we, you know, we often say it during the episodes, but it does mean a lot when we can hear from, you know, the audience and good or bad, we love hearing from it because it helps us either make the show better or, uh, you know, interact with you individually, which is always uh, really exciting uh, for us. This is sort of a one-way medium unless you take it upon yourself. So um, take it upon yourself. <laughs> Let us put it upon you. On yes, your face yes. or your chest or your ass or what <laughs> fucking is fun. I put it on you now, please. Please put it on me. <laughs> Alright, let's uh let's do a little inform informant. Ever wonder why genies are trapped in bottles? Because they're a bunch of goddamn drunks. And like all drunks, they'll talk to anyone who will listen until somebody puts a cork back in the bottle. So, want a little drunken genie nonsense? Then grab a bottle of whiskey and rub one out. Or tune into Nine Cents the first week of every month and catch my segment, I Dream of Jesse. Here we go. Hey, what's going on fast? Uh, in front of me. Hi, this is from Reuters. Father says seven children who died in New York City fire were, quote, so pure by Sebastian Malo. And this is posted March 22. Um, let me uh, give you the rundown here of what happened. Uh, the father of seven Orthodox Jewish children who were killed in Brooklyn house fire uh, told mourners at their funeral on Sunday that the only way he could survive the tragedy was complete, utter, and total surrender to his religious beliefs. Um, and then it goes on to explain that his children died in a house fire caused by a hot plate while they were observing religious holiday. And um, that this is not uncommon. And there's actually, I guess, website warnings about this. I, I feel like if you're a grown ass man, you shouldn't have to have a warning that hot plates can cause fires if left unattended. Especially if that is your religious yearly tradition. It seems like you should know that. Um, he had an eighth child and a S wife, as the article says. But earlier the article said B wife. So the editing of this article is atrocious, to be quite honest. That survived the blaze. And they are both in critical condition currently as the funeral goes on. I don't think there's anything... I don't think there's anything uh, funny about children dying. I don't... At all, I think it's a horrible thing that because I have children, I would never want to experience as a human being. But I did think the 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 
statement he made uh, that children were so pure was was very interesting that I wanted to explore a little because I I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think children are pure personally. I I'm totally with you on there's one thing I can't watch in movies and that's um, children being hurt as much as I don't like children. And I really don't, you know, I, I, when I don't know what to do with a weird vegetable or fruit that I get in my co-op, I have been known to throw it at the little brats that run up and down the street outside my apartment. Oh, I have done it. I have. I've thrown rotten fruits and vegetables at children. I'm going to be that old man with a cane. smacking. Get off my lawn! That, that will be me. I will run out there naked with my walker and beat them. But I can't... Throw I, zucchinis at children. <laughs> Get out of here! I've done Fucking it. Fucking goy! I've done it. Dar- Darren tells me not to, but I do it anyway. Because, you know, he's not the boss of me. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> he's like, stop throwing shit at our neighbors. No! They're waking me up at 8 a.m. But, no fact. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I'm up all night. 8 a.m. is my bedtime. But, um... Gotcha. Uh, what is it? But when I when you sent me this and I looked at it, the first thing that popped in my head was, "Oh my God, my children are a flame on the Sabbath. I can't, I can't shoot a hose because it would break God's law. Oh no, my kitchen is a giant oven somewhere. Hitler is laughing. Oh, oh no! It literally oh, no. just unleashed an avalanche. I can't wait to hang out with my Jew neighbor later. Oh, no. <laughs> he was raised very Orthodox Jew. Now he's a, he's a diehard atheist. But anytime I see him, like the Jew jokes just come out. So I can't wait to pull up this article <laughs> and go, oh my God, I was so nervous and the hot plate just exploded. It was terrible. Oh, there was no wall where I could smack my head against and wail. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to talk a, a little bit about this idea that we have as a, a, a American culture or human culture or uh, local society that children are these innocent, pure creatures. I, and obviously, we, I, I believe that it, we say it because they haven't experienced a whole bunch of stuff, but children can be fucking wicked evil. Like, it is not like they're born angels that are just pure to the world and just want to experience, absorb, experience. No, 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 no. Yeah, Children violent. are fucking monsters. Children are violent and cruel and incredibly tribal and sexually good God. Those people oh. are slutty. <laughs> oh, God. When I was a kid, man, it was... That, and that's what I'm saying. You know, I, that was where I explored with boys and girls quite a bit. Yeah. And I didn't know any better. I was just exploring just to see what, you know, kind of what, what I really liked. But the dirtier, the better. Like, I just – because it wasn't because it was I perceived it personally as dirty. It was because I was told that these behaviors were wrong. And so my natural wanting was to do something bad. Like, that added something great to it. So we may in some way create these evil children that do everything wrong because we tell them not to do it, but we know human psychology and we continue to fucking do it 
Like, and, and just like you were saying, they're very tribal. They're very cruel. They know what gets a reaction, and they hit that reaction button every chance they get. Oh, they're so manipulative, filthy little miscreants. Yeah, you want something pure, go to a grandma or grandpa that's ready to die, or a person at the end of their life. That's pure, because they have had time to understand how to manipulate the world, how to experience the world. That's purity. They've understood how to tone down their natural animalistic instincts. Children are animals at their <laughs> core. They know nothing. They only know reaction, and they know if they get a reaction, they'll continue to do that one thing that caused it. Good or bad, that's what we tell them it is. They just know it causes a reaction. So can we just stop with the pretending that children are so innocent and pure and wonderful and angelic? No, no, no. I have children. I know. <laughs> I know. They are not. I love my children with all of my heart, but they are not pure. No child I have ever met is pure, and some less than others. Much less. Especially in my neighborhood. So uh, let's just stop with this shit. Like, you may have had good kids, uh, Mr. Jewish Observer. Um, I doubt they were that great, to be quite honest. I, I think it's horrible that they died. But don't try to fucking put them on a goddamn pedestal because you fucking feel bad! Huh? God. I, I really would love if I went to a funeral once. Like, oh, okay. This is going to sound terrible. But... <laughs> I have this Strap in, of, people. I, ha I have this. I don't want to use the word fantasy because it's not something I want to go through, but I know right, it's right, going right. to happen. So forgive the word choice. Mm -hmm. I have this fantasy that at my mother's funeral, all her brothers and sisters will go up there and talk about how much they loved her and about how wonderful she was and how much they helped her. And then I'm going to go up there. I'm going to say, let me tell you, sons of bitches, something. <laughs> <laughs> My siblings are fucking liars. <laughs> yeah. I have this whole spiel in my head about bitching out each and every single one of my aunts. <laughs> and my Selling uncle. scores. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Let me tell you what you thought about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't like going to funeral. Everybody's good at a funeral. Everybody's yeah. good. No. No, they're not. Like, when, when Darren was in the hospital and everyone's like, oh my God, it's such a tragedy because he was in the ICU and he was in pretty bad shape. And they're like, and I'm standing there at the edge of his bed and they're, and, a few of the girls are crying, and they're like, oh, he's, this shouldn't have happened. It was a, it was an accident. It was so terrible. And I'm like, no, let me tell you, this fucking retard, all right? I warned him. I warned him, don't sled headfirst down a hill that on one side has a freeway, and on the other side has a big iron fence. Oh, jeez. This retard got exactly what he fucking deserved. <laughs> And when he woke up, I told him the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> High out of his mind. He's like, a dean? I'm like, oh, you stupid, stupid jackass. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's, it's so true. Oh, it is so true. And, um, but that's part of the reason why we love these people is because they're stupid, stupid jackasses. And, you know, your kids are going to piss you off and they're vile, stinky little things. But for some reason or another, you love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it would be so hard. But 
I wish people would take a little bit of uh, personal responsibility in some cases. So, for example, this could have been avoided if he, I don't know, wasn't Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> or if you read those websites that tell you not to leave a hot Yeah, or if he wasn't a dumbass. Uh, it's just, you can, if, if it's an avoidable death, I'm sorry, it's not such a tragedy, you need to fucking step up and own this. This is your fucking fault. Like, and I know, don't ever blame anything, anyone at a funeral or anything, because it's such a horrible event. It is a horrible event, but it should be a moment of reflection on how you got here, so that you can, I don't know, learn from it. Now, he is saying that the only way he can deal with this is complete, utter, and total surrender to his religious beliefs, which means he's gonna do it again. And it may not kill anyone next time, but he's still doing the same fucking behavior that caused this goddamn death in the first place. Seven children because of this. That man, Unbelievable. That man must feel all kinds of guilt for two reasons. One, it, like you said, this death was easily avoidable. Um, like I love this quote. I called my own daughter, who has six kids, and told her to stop using that hot plate. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> That's like telling someone, make sure you put out the fire before you crawl into the tent right next to it. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. Please be mindful. And two, um, uh, if you're a Jew, you, 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 you know, God punishes you for your transgression. I'm sorry, punishes your children for your trans, uh, transgression right then and there. So he did something that really pissed off God to, to, to let on a Sabbath, on the Sabbath, where the it's children are too afraid, probably too afraid to save their own lives because they'll break God's law and just piss them off more, to, be, to burn alive. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's kind of poetic. <laughs> it really sucks. Jeez. <laughs> oh, no, have, I dig it. I, I know what you're saying. You've got to have it's, a sense of humor about these things. Yeah, no, it's just when it's someone else and not you. Yeah, but, but you're right. I, I do think one of the one of the cruelest and greatest tragedies is a parent outliving their child, because at least on when you're on your deathbed, that'd be a comforting thought. You know, my children mm -hmm. are happy; they're good adults. I raised them well, and I'm going to live on in them. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the core. I just watched the movie Lucy, which isn't a fantastic show, but it did bring up some really wonderful philosophical points that were quickly glossed over for the action and the adventure of the actual movie itself. It, it, well, it just made me think like there's these really great moments where um, they were talking about the purpose of life, of cellular life is to multiply and pass on the knowledge. And you can extrapolate that to any life of, of animal and human. And so as a parent, the, as I see it, the sole purpose of life is, as a parent, to protect your child and to pass on what you've learned in the hopes that they will have a better life because of what you've learned and you've shared with them. To And for them to end before you realize that, I mean, to feel sorrow about that in one hand is really selfish. You know, your greatest creation didn't make it, so I'm going to feel terrible about that. Well, you can always have more kids, so how, you know, how, how far do you want to remove yourself from the emotional element? But on the other hand, you've put so much love and frustration and 
energy into this other thing to have it stop is in all those personal human moments. I mean, I, it would just be so goddamn difficult. But yeah, on that philosophical side of things, I, I think, wow, this really is selfish to feel so bad that this thing you created, it's <clears throat> didn't, didn't last as long as you were hoping it would. Like, because you created it, it should last longer. Like, <laughs> there, if you can divorce yourself from the, the, the emotional element of it, there's some real absurd sides of our human experience with children. I mean... <laughs> It's rough to talk about because obviously it's our children and, you know, but the reality is, yeah, this stuff happens. Children die. If if this was 100 years ago, they would have died a lot more. A lot more. Oh, yeah. 200 years ago, insane to have a children last. <laughs> you have seven children for two of them to live. So, you know, we live in a time where we are actually quite fortunate that we have medical advancement to ensure that the mother and the children live a very long time. Um, and for you to fuck it all up because of your religion. Great job, dickhead. I know. That's right. I'm spitting on him while he's down. That's what I do. I can't, Especially... I can't flip the switch or Hitler's going to come and get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, the kitchen's on fire. <laughs> and you know, they, they have those people they, they, they call in order to do it for them so they're not breaking the Sabbath. Can you imagine them frantically calling on the phone? What's the Goyam's number? What's the, as they're burning alive, what's his fucking number? That, whoever thought of that business is a fucking genius. <laughs> I wish I would have thought nothing like shearing sheep. There is nothing more <laughs> profitable than shearing sheep. I'm going to go to someone's house and flip switches. <laughs> so yeah. And they have to and they have to call me once a week. I can charge them <laughs> anything I want to. And they can't it's, handle It's insane. It's insane. Oh god. Unbelievable. This. All right, let's let's do this next one real quick here before we piss every single listener off. <laughs> I know, right? This case goes back to 2009 when the Texas branch of the Sons of Confederate Veterans, the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Those are some pretty old people. Anyway, which honored <laughs> soldiers who fought for the Confederacy in the Civil War submitted to a design proposal for a specialty license plate to the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles that include a Confederate flag. The DMV board that voted on the proposals field, um, fielded angry public comments and twice rejected the plate as an offensive celebration of slavery, according to the Supreme Court focused news site, uh, Scott U.S. Blog. So that's hmm. that's fun. So the DMV wants to prohibit a confederate flag on a license plate because it endorses slavery and the people want to do it to kind of remember the south that's what this fight's about how much can i ask you really quick how much do you think because there's two sides of the confederate flag issue there's one side that says no we are respecting our cultural heritage and the other side that's saying no that is a flag that represents slavery so what, which side do you come down on? Are you somewhere in the middle or what, what, what is it? Um, you know how I feel about three ways. So I like to be in the middle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no. It, all right. So the slavery thing is fucking retarded. Um, that wasn't the only issue over the Civil War. That's like saying I can't be a Democrat because they're the ones who wanted to keep slavery around. Mm -hmm. Which is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that's that's what I find funny about that argument. No, you can't you can't wave that flag. It, it endorses slavery. I'm gonna vote the Democratic Party. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Thomas Jefferson's your favorite president? He. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, the other the other side is all right. If you want to wave a flag that celebrates, you know, your side losing in a failed state. You go right the fuck ahead. That's that's funny also. Um, but I, I just I don't care. I can understand, you know, the South has, is its own cultural domain. It has its own history separate from the North. And the, when you go, when you travel, especially on the, far, on the East Coast, between the North and the South, the, the difference is staggering. I'm sorry, the differences are staggering. Um, the way, and it's not just the way people talk; it's the way they think, manners, what um, the political points of view. Even the gay men are wildly different. I, I worked with this black woman from um, from Georgia when I worked at American Express in Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like, "I can't wait to move back to the South." And I said, "Well, why is that?" And she goes, "Because I hate all the niggers up here." <laughs> she's like. Oh my God! Freedom ruined people up here. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, yeah, and it's fine. That's a common viewpoint in in middle class black people in the South is the North is full of niggers, and I thought that was, I always thought that was hysterical. Uh, it's it's uh, you can compare it to to the view of Spaniards versus Mexicans, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which is also or, uh, which is also funny. Or people in different, or the view of Africans to Black Americans. You know, they're they're Black. They're not African. They're not us. Um, they say they say the same thing. They'll call Black people over here niggers. But the the um the argument in and of itself is stupid. If you want to wave the Confederate flag, go go right the fuck ahead. Um, if anything, I think the the argument that carries the most weight is it can be seen as an act of treason. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, you're supporting <clears throat> a, you're supporting the the idea of a civil war. Yeah, but go right ahead. That's that's your fi- that's fine. I mean, it's it's legal. So where to do you fall? Yeah, where do you fall down on the the argument that the DMV is pushing on the side that it's not your right of free expression? This is a government funded uh, proposition here. We, the government, creates these and gives you the option of choosing a license plate. So it is not incumbent upon us to cater to every single person's opinion. In fact, they've shot down other ones before. For example, um, there's one where they accepted, oh shit, I'm looking for it, choose life message, but they refused respect choice message. So they've, they've done that sort of pick and choosing before. So what do you think about that? Um, I think that argue, I think the DMV's argument falls flat on its face very quickly. It, um, really? especially the first two lines that you said. You're right. It's a government-funded thing. I fund it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah. Two. Um, you're if if you if it was an obligation for everybody to have to have the Confederate flag on their license plate, then maybe maybe they have a point. But right. That isn't. And three, you don't have the, the state doesn't have the right to, to pick or choose what I can put on my license plate. 
if you're going to give me the option to personalize something that I am legally obligated to have, then I have the right to personalize something I am legally obligated to have. So they do have restrictions in place right now. Um, you know, you just can't, you can't do anything you want. And, you know, if there's some obvious reasons, like they don't want duplicate license plates, but there's also um, their right to refuse. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the specific quote, but it's summed up to offensive or racist or, you know, um, you know, really offensive comments or slogans or something. <clears throat> like, um, uh, there was, I was on the bus to work and I saw a car with the sigil of Baphomet on it. And then next to it, a cross with a, <laughs> with a, a line going through it. And then a few years ago, I was driving around in Michigan, and I saw someone that said, uh, I saw a uh, bumper sticker that said, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Uh, so <laughs> on their license plate or just a bumper a bump, sticker? A bumper sticker, but come yeah. on now. I mean, the license But that is the important much. difference that they're making in this case, is that people, <clears throat> and maybe it's worth discussing here briefly <clears throat> between us, <clears throat> there is a culture of representing your personal beliefs on your motor vehicle, but then there's also what, you know, if, if it's mandated by the state government that you have to, or that the federal government, that you have to have a license plate, and the state government regulates that license plate, then they have, as it stands right now, a yay or nay say in what goes on that license plate. Um, and they don't cater to everyone. Like, hands down, they just don't. So, you know, you already have the right, if you want to have a a Confederate flag, put it on your back window as big as you want it, but that doesn't mean the state has to do that on their license plate. So at what point do we, you know, they're not saying you can't have a Confederate flag on your vehicle. They're saying we won't put it on the license plate. So how much are they really stopping your freedom of speech they're not they're they're not at all that's that's fine um but didn't didn't you say that you can put choose life on your license plate <clears throat> oh yeah i mean there's the, but you can't put, texas politics for me is a night I, I i i will argue that <laughs> it, it, it treat it like a like a state id that's exactly what it is it's a state id yeah. for your car why personal i can't personalize my license um you know, I would love to have a den or den on there, but I can't. My father would murder me. So, <laughs> <laughs> he told me that, too. He's like, you ever legally change your name to a den or den, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> like, why? Because, you know, your, your grandfather was originally Anderson. You know, I mean, but he changed it. Why can't I? Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. um, the license, it's really easy. Just put the state flag on there or the state bird or something. Something everybody can agree on. All right, mm-hmm. fine. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's easy. <clears throat> it's a non-argument. We can sum it up as, uh, we'll look to see what the Supreme Court has to say about it, and it will probably baffle us all. All right, and that is going to do it, people, for another show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. Visit the Satan Net, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9cents to get updated on weekly topics. And download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, and YouTube. So if you're getting us in one of those outlets, which you kind of have to be since that's the only place we are, uh, leave us a rating or comment. 
seriously, we love hearing from you guys, even if you disagree or abjectly hate what we're saying. We love to hear it. Uh, and remember that you can subscribe uh, via iTunes by searching Nine Cents. And if you're getting Stitcher, we have updated the URL. So please, we have been putting out these episodes. Check the new URL from the website. If you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And the only reason we do this, the only way we're going to continue doing this is via your interaction because you want us to. So uh, continue communicating with us. Continue sharing Nine Cents. Uh, let's uh, let's keep this thing going, people. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by... A Den or Den. Fantastic A Den or Den. And until next week, Hail Satan! Hail Satan!